When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Great. So next up, we have Pete Sampson covering all things Notre Dame for The Athletic. How's it going, Pete? Good, good. It's uh, when you say all things, usually that's a bit of a stretch, but I'm actually putting together a big baseball story for the end of the week, which is uh, kind of new territory for me. It's a very, very timely after recording this after uh, after the big upset of Tennessee. So that's got to be fun to dive into. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I mean, they're a great story. And ultimately, it's like, what do you like about this job? Telling great stories. And it doesn't just have to be football. So it's like when a baseball story comes along or a hockey story comes along, it's uh, those are fun to get into as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So again, we appreciate you uh, making some time to talk with us today and giving a little bit of a peek behind the curtain kind of as your work as a, a Notre Dame beat writer. And before we dive in, though, I'm assuming most people know, uh, where can people find you online and on Twitter? Uh, online at Twitter, uh, at Pete Sampson with the underscore afterwards. Uh, and then uh, I'm at The Athletic where I've been Four seasons down, fifth one coming up. Um, it's a great place to work, get to tell great stories, do different things. So try to differentiate uh, the coverage there from what what else is out there. And there's a lot of great stuff out there. But uh, my perspective is that you're going to ask somebody to pay to read your stuff. You better make it really good. So that's uh, that's the bar that I'm trying to clear there. And trying and getting there some of the time, but not all of the time. But, you know, you do your best. Yeah, I mean, it's very evident from the reader's perspective that it, that it is something different and not just how many articles can I get out a day, which is, um, it's got to be fun. So we'll, we'll get into that, but kind of taking, taking a step back. And I'm always curious, especially looking at people who are getting into sports writing, you know, was there a point kind of in your life or a specific age where sports really began to take over a large portion of your brain? 
growing up, I was one of those kids, uh, grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I knew that I was not very good at sports. Um, but my teacher seemed to indicate that I was good at writing. So I was like, well, how can we put those two things together? Um, and I, I think it was second or third grade, like last year, my mom found this book in our basement of like sports superstars by Pete <laughs> Sampson. I think it was Peter Sampson back then, Ooh. uh, in second or third grade. And I just, I, I don't know. I just, I like the, the, how those two things fit together. I mean, it was probably like a lot of kids, you know, you turn down the volume on the TV and try to announce the games yourselves. Um, you know, collecting baseball cards and football cards was a thing when I was a kid, I'm 44. So you can, that sort of dates me a little bit. Um, and so that, that was, I was always sort of intrigued by the media aspect of it on top of the game itself. Um, newspapers were kind of interesting to me, but I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, when I went to college, I went to DePaul university freshman year, kind of that student activities night, you know, like walking in the newspaper. Well, I'd like to do this. Have you ever done this before? No. Do you know anything about it? No. Okay. Why don't you cover the football team? I'm like, okay, it sounds good. Um, and that, so is that was sort of how I got into it. it was just it was sort of by doing it and failing it and just trying and learning as you went. That's, that's pretty interesting. And do you have any, any specific, you know, authors, journalists, or, or, or mediums that you read growing up that had an impact on that? Uh, I mean, growing up in Michigan, you couldn't follow sports media and not know who Mitch album was. Um, so, I mean, that, that was a big one for me as a kid. Um, so that, that would be what I, I point to the most. I mean, the, you know, in the, since I've been covering Notre Dame, you know, it's, I think I sort of gravitate towards people who are a little bit different, whether it's like Wright Thompson, um, you know, you, you sort of see the way different people approach the job. Um, I, you know, when I started on the beat, David Haw was at the South Bend Tribune in the Chicago Tribune. I thought he did a, an interesting sort of unique take on things. So like it, you know, early in my career, newspapers were big. So Chicago Tribune, you read all, you read that, uh, Chicago sometimes. I mean, it, people probably don't know who Jay Mariotti is anymore and that's for the best. Um, but you know, living in Chicago for a little bit, you sort of read what these like, you know, it's kind of hot take, but like you're on the back page of these newspapers. So, I mean, you know, Rick Morrissey, uh, Rick Tellender, guys like that. If the, I don't know if anyone saw the old like sports reporters show on like ESPN two at 1230 AM on a Sunday, like <laughs> those were, those were the kind of people that I read a lot when I was, you know, in my early twenties, I was living in Chicago and just trying to figure out like, okay, what's a voice? How do you do this? How do you get people to read? Um, so you just try to read as much as you possibly could. Yeah. I was also as a, you know, I think as a second and third grader, I had the Chicago Tribune open every morning. And again, I was probably a bit of a weird kid for doing that, but I, you know, I appreciate a lot of those kind of articles because back then it wasn't, everything wasn't immediate at your fingertips. It, yeah. You had to wait until the articles came out to, to read them, which for me is a bit of a, not a bit of, it's definitely a, definitely a dying art when it comes to so much of the news coming out so quickly. Um, but taking, taking a, a little bit of a kind of a approach into kind of your experience at Zapaw. Um, so you're kind of roughly in Notre Dame territory. Were you any bit of a Notre Dame fan or how did that kind of, how did you land up land with Notre Dame? So I definitely was not a Notre Dame fan growing up uh, in Michigan. My mom went to Michigan State. My dad went to Michigan. I gravitated more towards my mom. Um, so I, I remember 
Oh, geez. I think my first Notre Dame memory would have been 1990 or 1991. Uh, Notre Dame played at Michigan State. They were number one, and the ball bounced off a Michigan State DB's chest, and Adrian Jarrell caught it, uh, and then Notre Dame went on to win. I think it was like the immaculate deflection is probably how Tim Priester and the late great Lou Samoji <laughs> would have put it on a cover in Blue and Gold Illustrated. Um so no, I was I didn't follow Notre Dame at all. Uh, well, I shouldn't say at all, but like I wasn't like a, a Notre Dame fan in any way. And then I didn't start covering Notre Dame until right after I graduated because my girlfriend at the time was down to two law schools. It was either Vanderbilt or Notre Dame, and she chose Notre Dame. And I worked for a newspaper outside Chicago called the Daily Herald for a year, less than a year, and I wanted to be closer to her, so I took a job at Blue and Gold Illustrated in 2001 in March. I had no idea what Blue and Gold Illustrated was, um, but I certainly knew a little bit about Notre Dame football, but a long way from probably what the average fan knew at the time. So that was sort of how I started covering Notre Dame was to be closer to a girl I was dating and we'll be married uh, 20 years next month. So it worked out pretty well for Hopefully, all of us, all yes, both you, of us. You don't, you don't have regrets wishing that you were covering Clark Lee in the SEC right now on the band. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely, I probably would have been like advertising or something. I don't know. I, I don't think my sports media career would have gone very far if I tried to cover Vanderbilt. Yeah, fun. Just a, a small little aside. Um, I was actually one of my college coaches. I, I played at Holy Cross in Massachusetts. And one of my college coaches was Nick Lazinski, and I was catching up yes. with him the other day and he uh he just had great things to to say about you and um again the one benefit of going to Vanderbilt is you would have been able to you know way down the line re kind of reconnect with Nick Lazinski. Absolutely. I mean he's he's one of the greats. Uh just a great great guy. Um so it's it's gonna be fun to watch sort of where his career goes at Vanderbilt and working with Clark Lee again. Yeah I've told him to make sure that he's as visible on the Vanderbilt sidelines as he was on the Notre Dame sidelines because I felt that every time I flipped on a game it was just him and I'd just point like oh there's nick yeah absolutely um awesome so um i'm curious more i I don't think i've ever actually heard or or understood the founding of irish illustrated i'd love to kind of hear what went into that and obviously how it evolved over time so when i started at blue and gold illustrated in 2001 i don't i don't think the publication was yet affiliated with rivals like you know every, every publication is affiliated with a recruiting network now and that wasn't the case back then like the internet was sort of just starting in in this sphere yeah so they linked up and then the guy who owned blue and gold illustrated i believe in sort of late 2004 early 2005 was like i want to be independent i'm sort of severing the relationship with rivals.com and at that point, Rivals.com came to me and I was like, hey, we really like what you do. We just like, could you just do the Notre Dame stuff for us? Like all the subscriptions are sort of in-house with Rivals. So they would sort of be your bank book of business mm-hmm. and just go with that. And I was like, oh man, that's okay. I've been doing this for four years, but you know, having a little autonomy sounds great. Um, so I just sort of went for it at that point. And that I was actually living in Chicago at the time. Uh, and that was like, all right, we got to move back to South Bend because you got to be there every day. I couldn't just come in time to time. I needed to be here all the time. So, you know, even though when my wife graduated from Notre Dame lost in t- 2003, we're like, we're out of here, never to return. <laughs> um, so we moved back in 2005 and that's sort of how Irish illustrated got started. It was like, 
Blue and Gold Illustrated and Rivals split. Rivals hired me to start Irish Illustrated. Um, and then, you know, we sort of got the band back together a little bit with Tim Priester um, and Jack Freeman, who's kind of our webmaster video guy. Um, you know, then how do we build out recruiting? But we're affiliated with Rivals, so that helped. So that was that was sort of how Irish Illustrated got going. It was like somebody else made a business decision and then Rivals reached out to me and was like, hey, how about you just sort of pick up this ball that got left on the ground here and run with it? That's that's super interesting. And I, you know, I, I, I've talked to a couple of people already who are former, you know, college athletes, but I guess you have gone through the recruiting process as a recruit then both for Irish Illustrated and then, you know, when you were going over to the athletic. So when you're moving over to the athletic, was there a, you know, a recruiting wine and dine aspect to that? Not a lot. Um, I think by, by the time the athletic reached out to me, it, it was still kind of un, unstable might be too dramatic, but it, it hadn't like established itself yet. But I knew that covering Notre Dame, if I was going to do this, like for the next 15, 20 years, I couldn't live and die with every recruiting decision from a professional point of view in terms of like being on top of all of that all the time. Um, or when the third team middle linebacker leaves, have that like be, leave my kids to go write something on that. Like it just felt kind of unsustainable for like the parenting part of my life. Yeah. Uh, and so when the athletic reached out, that was appealing to it. And then just the people there who many of them I had covered Notre Dame with over the years, whether Chicago Tribune or Sun Times or ESPN. Uh, so many of them seemed to end up at the athletic um, and spoke very, very highly of it. And the athletic, I think my skepticism about like, all right, is this going to work or not? And the people I talked to, there were like, Pete, okay, you cover Notre Dame. You've covered Notre Dame for 15 years. So people know who you are. It's Notre Dame. They like to read and they have a small amount of disposable income usually to pay to read. If it doesn't work for Notre Dame, it's not going to work for anybody. So we think you should do it. And I was like, okay, great. And it's, it's, they were right. Um, and yeah, I, I've loved, I loved working there. Cause it just, you get to do different, interesting stuff. That's sort of like, a little bit kind of cuts against the grain from what uh, typical media is. No, and I was reading a quote of yours when you kind of went over to the athletic and kind of the quote that really stood out to me was you're giving the subscribers a reason to read instead of just a reason to click. And I think I've seen this, you know, firsthand with, you know, the quality of your articles as well as the frequency, but, you know, I'm curious as you've alluded to, but you know, how drastically or in what way has this really changed kind of both your process and your day to day? It took a, a while to, be able to let stuff go like the day-to-day -day beat stuff. I mean, that, that was sort of where, how I like carved out my career for the first 15 years, like be on top of every single thing all the time. Um, so to not do that was, was tricky. And then also it's like, all right, so what are these stories that are so different? Cause if they're so like, if they were so great, wouldn't everybody else already be writing them? Um, so I, I had to convince myself that no, actually, there's a lot of good stuff out there, and I had some good ideas. And then, you know, this is through this is more just like good graces of the people that I've worked with for Notre Dame, like in the football offices. They seem to really like the athletic. Maybe it's because one of their founders went to Notre Dame, but um, I've been able to get. Uh, I think yes, or yeah, let's work with you on that much more now than I was at Irish Illustrated. Like I'm the same reporter, but I think they sort of see the stories that I'm telling is different. And that sort of helped me 
have some doors open that maybe in the past I would have to argue to be open or they wouldn't be open at all. That's really interesting. So you're telling me that your, your wife and kids wouldn't want you to go back to the day and day grind of the beat. No, no. I think that even, (laughs) uh, even this amount of grind sometimes for my kids is a little bit like once October is like getting to the back half of the season, they're like, all right, we're about ready for the football season to be done. I'm like, "Eh, we're only about halfway there. (laughs) Yeah. And then the, the, obviously the, the off seasons are, are quite different than, you know, probably off seasons were, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, yeah, there's no doubt about that. It's uh, the pace. It, I think sometime in the last two or three years, I feel like college football turned into the NBA where it's just, it's a year round sport or the NFL, it's a year round sport. And that uh, I think we all got adjusted to it because we had to, but it's definitely a change from where things were. Yeah. And so, you know, Southman is obviously, you know, quite the Notre Dame town to say the least. And, you know, you're in, I guess in my words here, but, you know, I think some others might agree, a, you know, sort of a small celebrity. Um, do you ever get people who, you know, come up to you around South Bend and either introduce themselves or, you know, maybe more aggressively ask you for any insider scoops? Yes, that does happen. When it happens with my kids, they, they're 12 and nine. They think it's absolutely hilarious because um, they do think that I'm famous and I'm just like, I'm not. I just cover the football team. But uh, I mean, we were at I took them out for lunch at Chipotle a couple of years ago and Crazy Train came on over the loudspeaker and someone turned around from across the restaurant and said, hey, Pete, it's third down. And my kids were like, what is that about? And I was like, I'm not even going to try to explain this to you because we, would, we I, I couldn't capture the essence of why Crazy Train and Third Down is so funny to anyone who's been in Notre Dame Stadium for the last six years. But some that does happen sometimes. I think it's I think it's hilarious. Um, and then whatever the weirdest thing to me is like when people do that, they're like they never introduce themselves. Like they just come up and start talking. And I was like, I, what was your name again? Like that, I don't, I don't know what the, the sort of glitch in the system is there, but that if you're listening to this and you do see me and you want to come over, awesome, but please introduce yourself so I can remember who you are. It's so interesting that you say that. Cause I was talking with uh, Tyler James from rivals and I, you know, I asked him that same question and he had a similar response where he's like, people come up to me and he's like, I appreciate it. And they say, Hey, great. I love your stuff. And then he's like, it's almost like once they get whatever they wanted to say out, then they're just gone. And he's like, you know, I, I'm okay to have a conversation with you. Yeah. And I would happily do that. Not like <laughs> all the time and know the time or place, but at least introduce yourself. So that is really weird. It's, it is just a strange, like glitch in the system. I don't, I don't, I can't explain it, but um, yeah, it, it does happen from time to time. Um, it's, I mean, it's, and it definitely happens on like road games a lot. My mm-hmm. kids are never with me on road games, but like if you go out to a bar on a Friday night before a game, like that's happening for sure. Like you just assume that it will. Um, and that's, that's great. Like I love meeting people cause it just sort of gives you a different perspective on, you know, I'm not writing for myself. And I mean, in some ways are, cause it's like, you know, sort of the creative process I enjoy, but you know, I'm writing to, I want to know what the fans and the readers are interested in reading about. And like, that's kind of a, a very anecdotal way to pick up on what those themes are but it is there's it helps me too to sort of hear what other people are thinking about no that's i think that's really poignant and you know i again if i see you in person in south bend i will come up and shake your hand and just start talking right away please Um, do yes (laughs) (laughs) but um kind of taking taking a step back um you know if you could cover any other college football team outside of notre dame who would that be who 
I haven't really thought about that. I mean, it's, I think covering an SEC team would be fun for about a season, as long as I got to go back to Notre Dame at the very end of it. Um, you know, talking to my colleagues at the athletic cover Georgia or Alabama, uh, or even LSU, it's, um, no lane. It's just, yeah, no, I, I haven't talked to any, I think lane train actually would be a riot to cover. Cause you could go down and hang out with Maurice Crum and Charlie Weiss jr. At the same time. So Ole Miss would be fun. Um, but it would be interesting to sort of see how like the perceptions of the fan base were different at like an Alabama, um, or an LSU or a Georgia where I think Notre Dame, there's some leeway about like letting growth happen or enjoying the ride a little bit. Whereas down there, it's just very results driven. And it's kind of, pro it's how I imagine Notre Dame fans probably were like in the Holtz era where, you know, nothing was enough. And if you won by 20, why do you win by 35? Like, I think that's like, I wouldn't want to exist in that media world, but um, I think it would be interesting to sort of just drop in and sort of try to understand a little bit about what it's about. Yeah, one of my um, one of my goals in life is to go to the major, go to a, a game at each major SEC stadium. And I'm so far, I'm a, I'm O for all of them right now. But you know, as I'm having a kid here in the next couple of months, my my first child, I'm sure I'm gonna have plenty plenty more time to be able to do that. Yeah, it's uh, I've I remember even writing a lot about Jerry Tillery and him mentioning once or twice, like you have to go a to a game at Tiger Stadium in Death Valley. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know how that's ever going to happen, but like, it sounds like a good idea. Uh, I'd like to see it. Um, cool. So obviously NIL has become quite the, quite the story. We're not going to dig too much into the semantics of it, but I'm curious if, you know, 18 year old uh, at that point, probably Peter Sampson is a five-star QB recruit. You know, what NIL deal are you signing? <laughs> um, I, mm, I don't know. They change like every week. So back then, I mean, back then I probably would have been like free merch at Abercrombie and Fitch or something. I don't, I don't know. It's like, I, I can't think of anything all were that. You, were you one of the Abercrombie and Fitch models standing shirtless? No, no. I just, there was just a, one of those at Woodland mall in Grand Rapids that I went to. Um, so yeah, not, I don't think I would have a, these kids, the kids, the kids today, um, you know, with their G wagon and Aston Martins, like I, I don't think I would have thought that big, to be honest, uh, about where <laughs> I could take my NIL uh, value and, and monetize it in, a, in short order. Well, that's, uh, you know, I, I think that's, it's still interesting. And I'm, I'm really curious to see the next couple of years of, you know, how things shake out. Um, just a kind of one, one small question and then one kind of larger thought question to end here, because I know we only have about five or six minutes left. But um, does Matt Fortuna ever get jealous that you're hanging out with your ex-girlfriends? <laughs> I, you know, he, he must, I mean, I know he has a very special relationship with PJ Fleck. So, um, I think that that he's able to at least have that relationship where I, where I don't have any, uh, I don't have any contact with PJ. Um, but, uh, the fact that I get to go hang out with Clark Lee, I think is, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard for him to stomach that sometimes. That's great. And then just kind of the last little question here, but before we wrap things up, but you know, if you could have any unfiltered discussion with any player, coach, or topic completely off the record surrounding Notre Dame football, what would that be? Uh, if you could give Brian Kelly kind of like a truth serum and we could just go out and, I mean, hey, I'll play 18 holes with you, no problem. Um, that, that would be fascinating to me to sort of hear him 
without like the political spin, uh, without sort of this, uh, any defense mechanisms in play about what he thinks Notre Dame can and can't be, um, you know, the, the reasons that he left, but like have him present them, not what Matt Fortuna and I have sort of reported out as like per sources. Uh, that that would be, I think, the the interview that I'd like to do the most to sort of put a bow on like, all right, how did you see this? What really happened? When did you when did you know you had to do something else or wanted to do something else? Um, or was it just like 10 years, $95 million is a lot of money. And like, I pay, hey, go, go for it, man. Like, I, I totally understand that. So I think that's he's just he's um, such a uh, difficult character to nail down because you it you know you're getting a lot of spin all the time there um so if you could sort of get him outside of that and just sort of relax and kick back and have a few beers which i mean the when you talk to people who know him who have sort of been with him in those moments like you get an unvarnished regular more of a regular guy than i think Notre Dame fans would it would think it would be even be possible so that's that would probably be the one interview that I would love to do down the road. I realize it will never, ever occur, but um, that's, that's something I'll, I'll probably think about for a long time yeah, or anything with Bob, anything with Bob Diaco would be fine. Too. <laughs> yeah. What I'm really curious about is, you know, what Notre Dame fans perspective will be in about Brian Kelly. I know now it's still, it's obviously still pretty hot, but you know how that might change over the next five or 10 years as we're looking upon a, you know, a, you know, over a decade of, you know, pretty solid to great success where obviously now things are still a little fresh. Yeah. That's, I mean, this is kind of one of those, this is a fan perception question that I'm fascinated by is how to, what happens if Brian Kelly wins a national championship at LSU in the next three years? Cause if you're Notre Dame at that point, don't you have to sort of take a step back and be like, all right, we actually did have a national championship winning coach who decided it was easier to win someone else where else. And he was right. Um, flip side. What if Marcus Freeman wins? Um, you know, I've had some fans say like, if Marcus Freeman wins it all here, that that would soften their stance on Brian Kelly and almost like show more gratitude to him for getting the Notre Dame job to a point where Marcus Freeman could then take it and run with it. Whereas I think, you know, if, there was a Marcus Freeman in 2010. I don't think that hire would have worked out at all um, because Notre, that's not what Notre Dame needed. Um, Brian Kelly, I think, was able to get this program to a point where it needed something else. Um, but what it needed was a guy like Marcus Freeman. And that, that I think, is pretty exciting. So, I, yeah, it's just the, the perception of Brian Kelly. And then just, you know, if the both teams are just good 10 years from now, is that are there any reunion scenarios where Brian Kelly comes back to Notre Dame? I think you would have said hell no at Cincinnati, but 10 years later, sure enough, he was back at Cincinnati for a reunion. So how much time is required for and how much water needs to go under the bridge before that's sort of like Notre Dame can get its arms around Brian Kelly and vice versa. That that is kind of an interesting dynamic too. Yeah. And that's just something that, again, we, we won't know with time and it'll be really interesting as, you know, both a fan and, you know, a journalist and people who cover Notre Dame will be really just interesting to see how that develops over the next, you know, one year, five years and 10 years. I know it's going to be drastically different at each point along the way, but, um, but anyway, I know we're, you, you've got to, you've got to jump off here, but um, any, anything else you want to leave people with before you sign off? Uh, I, 
I'm not saying this because you're a fan and I'm talking to fans here, but I, I really appreciate um, like getting to know Notre Dame fans in general over the last 22 years. I mean, it's half of my life literally at this point that I've covered Notre Dame football and I've met some incredible people along the way um, that I don't think I would have ever met if I hadn't been covering Notre Dame. So I, um, I definitely, I have a lot of gratitude that I somehow ended up in a position that I got to cover Notre Dame. Like I get to cover Notre Dame. I don't have to cover Notre Dame. I get to do it. And hopefully some of that gratitude comes through sometimes, but not all the time, um, especially after a night game on the road. But um, it's a, it's a great gig. I, I love doing it. And um, even though I'm not a fan, I definitely pick up on the excitement around Marcus Freeman because as a reporter and getting to know him a little bit, I share uh, some of the enthusiasm for like where this all can go. And again, it's like I get to cover that and I'm, I'm really grateful uh, that I get to do that. So if I see you or anybody out on the road, please come up, introduce yourself, say your name. Uh, we'll have a beer together because um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great gig. I'm really fortunate to do it. Awesome. And I think I speak for probably a lot of the fans too, but we appreciate the, the work that you all do and the, you know, the time and effort and energy that goes into it because you know, we can't consume enough of it. And, you know, you, you bring a pretty unique, not a pretty, unique, a very unique point of view on a lot of it. So, you know, thank you as well. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Pete.